Welcome to the World Game Podcast. You heard it from the fan. This is the World Game Podcast, and welcome to Russia 2018, episode 11. Before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download or stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash the world game. And you can, of course, follow us on Twitter. Let's let's put this show on the road. And I'm thrilled today to have uh, Lucy uh, in our podcast. How are you, Lucy? Oh, Christophe, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, today was a tough day. We're, we're all starting to feel the effects of the World Cup. Um, we're tired, but we're gloriously tired. Um, it's the kind of thing where you feel happy to be this tired because you know that it's because you've been watching so much football and loving every single minute of it and the weird thing that it's turning cold as well yeah i just came downstairs um and, and thought oh now i have to put on a coat um and that's the the beauty of moscow right it's a little bit like melbourne in that way you know for the people back home they'll know that melbourne is the, the kind of city that has four seasons in one day and moscow's been a little bit like that we've had hot weather then it's been raining then it's been cold so but it's great it, moscow's such an awesome city have you been liking it I'm loving it. I'm, I'm having the time of my life. I've never walked that much in my life, uh, but it's, it's good. I love, I'm loving it. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, let's talk football. What a day of football we've had. And starting with England-Panama, 6-1, what a match. Oh, my gosh. Like, look, and it was the kind of match where you expected England to come into this and win it quite comfortably. Um, you know, they really made a statement in this match because it would have been so easy for them to just kind of come in and not, not relax into it, but knowing that they were going to defeat them so comfortably, not give it everything that they had. Um, I feel like they've really announced themselves at this tournament. Harry Kane, you know, incredible performance from him to go and score a hat trick as well and to, to, to break records uh, you know for this English side that have never ever Christoph in their history at a World Cup scored this many goals in a game they've only they've only ever managed to score three so this is a really big deal for them um, and I think it, it said a lot in the context of what we can then expect from their matchup with Belgium because for so much of what they managed to do um, you know in that first half they did what Belgium couldn't so we know that when that Belgium ended up playing them that they only managed to score those three goals in the second half so I I feel like what we're really going to start to see when these two meet is a measure of where they're at um, as competitive nations in this tournament. Because with the greatest of respect to both Panama and Tunisia, um, you know, these are games at the bigger tier nations with the quality players, um, you know, that you expect them to win. So it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to Friday's contest between the two of them. But, you know, a really, really good result by the, uh, the three Lions. Absolutely. And then now, actually, let's talk about Panama. But before we start talking about Panama, I want you to listen to this fan. It means a lot for them how are you guys feeling after this uh, this defeat against England well we feel very graceful because this is our first goal in a World Cup also this is our first World Cup so we are so happy also sad because we lost almost all games but it's for us I cry being on the FIFA fan fest seeing the game and my impress in the moment if I, I, I cry because it's something very important as Panamanian to feel that feeling never before. And just for a moment, um, I feel like we win the game. So it's very beautiful. It's an honor to be here in Russia for the first time. And, but for funny, funny of us, we have tickets for go to the game. 
but we miss our flight. So we stay here in Moscow seeing the game and we, we went to the FIFA fanses and see the game there with all these England pe people. And well, it's family, it's a World Cup, everybody was happy. And well, we are very happy, actually, we, we are very happy. It's very good to hear. Uh, what about the support from uh, other countries from Latin America? How's, how has it been? Well, we are all brothers. Together we the same, we are all family. There is not, for us, it's not existing difference now. We are all trying to, to win, we are all trying to, to get um, show the rest of the world what we are but the most important thing is to be here in Russia all together. First World Cup, first goal. It's not all country that score a goal at the World Cup. How important was this for you but also for the whole population? But this is most important is you know is something that I'm gonna put in put on in, in some book or something. It's great. It's like never before you know is for me, it's the greatest honor because Panama is not a sport country. So for me and also for the rest of the country, I'm sure that they are very, very happy and grateful of this first goal. We have a next game and probably we're going to get more goals because now the team have this motivation of the, f the first one. And I am sure that now the country is going to support more to the team and also the team is going to feel this trust in themselves and now we're going to be back to Panama so we're not going to be here for that game but we're going to do it there in Panama and I'm sure that in that in the next game we're going to have an other goal. What you can do is miss your flight to Panama as well so you stay here. I have one month out of Panama so I have a lot of work waiting for me so I can't me is also my my children, my all my half two girls. Here I am with my my wife, my sister-in-law. So my my kids are wedding in Panama. So I can't miss that um, flight. And also it's important for me to see that game with the rest of the family. And to tell the story as well, to go back to the country and tell the story you were there. Yes, yes, I have a lot of pictures, videos, and we're going to try to be again on a World Cup, and I'm sure that the team is going to be more trusting themselves, you know, to make more strength to go to next World Cup. So, Lucy, what do you make of this? I mean, there's so much passion around this World Cup, and then so much joy, and then even losing 6-1, he just said it, it's still, you know, why, why would they be sad? They don't care. They just scored against England. Um, you know, and that just goes to show you what it means to these smaller tiered nations to be on the world stage. It's for Panama and, and likewise for Peru. You know, I think I may have even mentioned on one of the podcasts after Peru lost their, their more recent game, uh, they, they were crying. Um, people at the broadcast compound, Peruvians, because it's been 36 years since they've been back here. So, you know, I think it's really nice to see these stories because not only do we learn about the, the you know, the, who they are as footballing teams, but we also learn about who they are as nations too. And it's really nice to see those narratives coming out of it. But you would think, I mean, for anybody, um, you're looking at that scoreline and you're thinking, oh my gosh, 6-1. No, they're looking at it and they're thinking, we just scored against England. And that is a reason for us to celebrate. It's really nice. And, and, and they left the kids home as well for that. So that's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's move on. Uh, Japan against uh, Senegal. I mean, what a match as well. 2-2. Two -two. I mean, were we expecting this? No. And how good was it that then it's Honda that comes 
comes and gets the equaliser for Japan off the bench. I mean, that was brilliant. And and what a fantastic footballing contest this was. I was really enthralled by it. The, the, the two nations, they really went at it. They're both, uh, you know, at the top of their group. Um, so this was first versus second. And it was fantastic to see. Um, and, you know, really great because in the last match um, for Senegal, when they defeated Poland, you didn't see much of Mane. What I liked about that was that it then suggested that this is a team that's not heavily reliant on one particular player to get the job for them, a la... Argentina. So I think it was another sensational team performance from them. Nice to see Mane get the goal though too. Um, but uh, all around, they've both got you know they've both got sides that are full of quality. Um, okay for Japan, um, you know, aging quality. And what I really like that Nishino has managed to do is that since he's come into it after the whole debacle with Hali Hodzic and the disaster that went down there in terms of their coaching changes, to bring in the technical director for him to return to not only the old way of Japan, like Japan's playing style, but also to then bring back the old guard, to bring back those quality players like Kagawa. Um, you know, they, they've still got a lot of quality and still got a lot of things to offer. So this has probably been one of my favourite games, um, just in terms of the way that they went at each other and they had no fear in that regard. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And uh, we review, because uh, at the time we record the podcast, uh, Colombia and Poland haven't played. Uh, we review that tomorrow. Uh, but that's turning out to be a very interesting group already because on that match that is yet to happen for us uh, Poland Colombia if there's a loser they're out you know this group I'd have to say and Foz I thought summed it up best when he said it's a group of life it's quite evenly matched um, I thought that it was going to be Poland um, that were going to be one of the stronger sides as well as Colombia um, but Senegal and Japan have gone off and surprised everybody so I'm shocked about Colombia and their opening round loss I expect bigger things from them because we know that you know they are veterans at this level and they have managed to qualify for multiple World Cups and, and we know of their quality and their experience too. Um, James Rodriguez being one of them. I mean, we all fell in love with him at Brazil 2014. He was the golden boot winner. Um, so you want to see more. You expect to see more. Okay, we take a short break. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk to uh, Ricardo Setillon, our FIFA insider, with some juicy news to start the week. And then we look at what's happening because now we are entering a very interesting part of the stage group. Uh, don't go anywhere, Lucy. Don't miss a moment of the 2018 FIFA World Cup with SBS Radio. Hear the passion with every match in multiple languages. All live and free on SBS Radio and the 2018 FIFA World Cup app. Download now. Uh, welcome back to the World Game Podcast and it's now time to uh, uh, have a look at the news on this Monday morning. There's plenty of news after the weekend uh, with our friends Ricardo, uh, insider from uh, this world of football. Uh, let's start this week pretty well. I'm laughing because I'm thinking which kind of music you're going to put in the background. And that voice, I mean, how much, how much party have you been doing with Brazil, I guess? No party, just shouting when Argentina lost. Every goal of Croatia was jumping two meters and then Brazil make me crazy for the last 20 minutes. I know it sounds sexy, but the news are still hot. I'm going to focus on my good friends of Argentina in the beginning saying that the headlines of the newspaper in Argentina is save us, save us Saint Messi. They still hope that Messi will save them. And you know what? Today, here at our podcast, we must sing happy birthday for one of the best players ever. A player that seems not to have a soul, but is the savior, Lionel Messi. Today, making a big party, which sounds something like very, 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 very uh, sad 
as his birthday in a situation like this that he could be out of the World Cup. So today is his birthday. And in Bonitsky, this little town that has Argentina over there, they are making a festival just outside the camp of Argentina. They're expecting 25,000 people, imagine, to celebrate Messi's birthday. So one, some people are celebrating, some people are counting the minutes. I'm telling you, if Argentina is out of the World Cup, he's historical. Did you know that Messi haven't earned, haven't won, haven't conquered a single title with Argentina? I know, it's crazy. He's done everything with the club, but nothing it's with something the... Something out of this world. I mean, you had Kempes and other players that won in 78. You had Maradona. Whatever crazy he is, he won 86. And Messi haven't done anything. Anyway, just to tell you, Maradona is begging, asking officially to meet the players of Argentina, personally, to try and motivate him. So far, no permission given. Second thing is the fact that Chiqui Tapia, the president of uh, the, the Football Association of Argentina, is facing the media and he said out loud yesterday night to all the Argentine media, you, you guys must stop being traitors. You must be more patriotic. You must stop printing lies. So we are seeing how football, it's beyond the game. Football is really a dramatic thing for Argentina. So the president of the association saying, guys, be patriotic and stop lying. He says that all this thing of changing the coach in the middle of the World Cup is a lie. Just to finalize, I know you have been in a fan fest. I did, and the, the, our listeners have been in a fan fest in a fan fest with me as well. Well, the news is that authorities, very high authorities in Russia, are asking us, and this is the first in the history of World Cups, not to go to FanFest. When Russia plays, Chris, don't go to a FanFest. It's an official request. It seems it's going to be pretty crowded, pretty dangerous. And you know what? The Kremlin is saying, go to a bar, stay at home, don't go to a FanFest. And I think to myself, FIFA did so much to create an area where people can gather in order to have a Russian authority saying, don't go there. It's something we should think about. And then finally, I must say that I was somehow happy, somehow worried, because we have two cases here. One concerning airlines and the other concerning drink. Some Colombian guys went into the stadium to see Colombia, Japan, and they have drink inside their binoculars. They have poured drink inside binoculars and then they made a movie. They put it on social media, big scandal. So one thing, amazing idea. Second thing, the guy who was drinking is a top manager at the main airline of Colombia. He was kicked out of his job. Two days before, LATAM, a huge company in South America owned by Chile and Brazil, have to kick a manager who was here in, Brazil, in Russia as a Brazilian fan who was taking Russian girls and telling them to speak Portuguese, very bad words, a very macho movie on uh, WhatsApp and on Facebook. The management of LATAM kicked also him out of the job. So we have two managers. Uh, uh, jobless now and we have a secret you want to bring alcohol into the stadium open your binoculars put some tequila and you might enjoy the game big hug to all of you and i hope and pray argentina do something and my voice come back thank you regalo bye <laughs> thank you bye 
Welcome back, Lucy, into the uh, World Game Podcast. Uh, thanks for staying around, <laughs> around this news and etc. Uh, a very interesting stage, I was saying, about the World Cup now, because we are entering the third match of those groups, and there's some pretty good matchups. And there are, um, and I like this because the, the games are being played simultaneously, uh, and I think it really is going to set us up to find out just who is, is going to qualify to the next round, because not a lot of the teams um, have been decided yet, which is going to make for a really interesting final round, like I said. But, you know, when you look at sort of the context of the groups and what's at stake, um, with Uruguay and Russia, we know that for them it's a battle for first place and who they potentially want to avoid in the upcoming round. Um, for Saudi Arabia and Egypt, neither of them able to record uh, results, decent results, and they'll be looking to play for pride. I mean, I've been really disappointed with Saudi Arabia. Can I say that? Um, you know, that opening round lost uh, against Russia, I thought they were better in their in their second game, but, I mean, it, it was too little too late. And to deliver such a poor performance from the outset, really set the tone for them I feel and they've got a lot of thinking to do in terms of their footballing strategy I mean they've had a host of coaches uh, come through there and and they just can't seem to get it right for all of their wealth and, and what they've managed to achieve from a financial perspective they're not investing it into their football and they don't have a strategy they don't have a clear-cut plan um, so they'll walk out of this tournament feeling very disappointed again for Egypt of course you know so much of the narrative around them is about Mohamed Salah he hasn't been at his best and we know why um, you know I think they would desperate to get him back and get him fit after he injured himself in the Champions League game but he's not the most Salah that we all know so perhaps now that he's had a little bit more time we may start to see a bit more from him in this last game but again it's been too little too late but then you also have to ask the question of would they have managed to really challenge either Russia or Uruguay in this group um, and Russia's gone off and surprised everybody which has been fascinating. Absolutely, especially when you see the edge of that squad uh, and how, how fast they run and how athletic they are. Yes, and uh, without getting into too much speculation, I know that apparently FIFA are looking into it. I don't want to allege anything or allude to anything dodgy, but um, yeah, it, 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 look, it, it is quite peculiar, can I say, <laughs> uh, that a squad of that age have managed to turn out um, and, and, and run the distance that they have so far at this tournament. But look, I think Chichesov has done a really good job, their coach. Um, they, you know, they call him the moustache of hope here in Russia when you speak to them. Um, and they do have a lot of faith in him. And now it's been interesting because the public was against them, the media was against them coming into the tournament. And now they've done a complete 180. And oh, now we love Russia. We're going to win the World Cup, Russia. Um, so <laughs> it's been kind of fascinating in that regard but look are they going to be able to beat Uruguay uh, no um, but look again we all said are they going to be able to go and do what they, they've done no uh, but I think Uruguay ultimately in this group are the strongest and they've got the, the, the strongest quality players there as well so I'm expecting a bit more from Uruguay too and I think this is the game where they're going to deliver it Okay, and then what's interesting as well is the, uh, if we just summarize on um, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, they're probably playing for the, the pride of the Arab world uh, because next World Cup is in Qatar, uh, so it's setting the, the place for who's going to be the, the leader of the Arab world in football. Well, yeah, and, um, and that's what I said earlier. They're both playing pr for pride here, for, and that being one of those reasons. Um, you know, for Saudi Arabia, part of why I'm also so disappointed is, and Foz and I have had these discussions a lot throughout the tournament, is that being a part of the Asian Football Confederation, we need these Asian nations to be doing well. Um, you know, when you look at the strength of CONCACAF, Comnebol, and how difficult it is to qualify through Europe as well, um, 
Um, you know, we, we need to be sending messages to the world, and that is that we, as a part of this confederation, can compete and are wanting to compete at a very high level when it comes to these tournaments. So, like I said, they've got a lot of good, hard thinking to do, but as you mentioned, um, you know, this is going to be an interesting thing in the next four years with the World Cup being in Qatar. Absolutely. And then the other matches is Spain against Morocco and Iran against Portugal. Again, uh, Portugal, Ronaldo, he's probably going to score. Uh, how many? We don't know. Um, what do you see in those two, uh, two face-ups? Well, I'll tell you what. Ronaldo, you can't dispute um, his qualities. You can't argue with his statistics. Whether you love him or you hate him and, you know, if you fall into the hate camp, so much of, you know, people's feedback have been that, oh, because he is so arrogant and the way that he carries on and he's a show pony, all the rest of it. I used to sort of be in that camp um, a while ago because I am, I will confess, I am Team Messi. Um, but that's also because of who he is on the field as well as off the field. I feel like to be a complete part the player, you need to embody both of those things um, and to appeal to somebody, you've got to have those kinds of qualities. Um, but with Ronaldo, I've warmed to him um, purely because he is so freaking brilliant. Um, and you've already seen what he's managed to do for Portugal at this tournament and really stand up. And I guess that's been, you know, a lot of the criticism that's been heaped on him in campaigns gone by, particularly at the last World Cup at Brazil and how disappointing they were, um, that was that he wasn't really standing up for his national team. But now he's got leadership. Um, you know, you can really see that. And, and the way that he plays on the field and the way he interacts with the players, there's a difference about him, a mature about him as well and he's really up for it and when he's up for it not only does he deliver, deliver sensational goals but then Portugal are also lifting too. Um, I still think they've got a bit of quality in their side but they've also got a few ageing players too in and around them um, so I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see just how far really Portugal can go. I love Spain. Can I say that? Of course you can. There's a, stat a funny statistic, and uh, we're going to finish on this. Olga, that works uh, with us, mentioned that the other day. She looked at it. I think it's her sister that looked at it. Ronaldo scored four goals, okay? Minute four, minute 44, minute 88, and minute four. <laughs> Should you be wearing the number four? Is there something in that? I don't know. Numerically, um, in the stars, I'm not sure. But whatever it is, um, he's up for it. And like I said, when he's up for it, he's just a menace. And that's why he's one of the world's best footballers. Um, you can't deny that. And I guess there's differences, and I'm not sure if we have spoken uh, about it on this podcast, about the differences in pressure for Ronaldo as well as Messi. Um, you know, there are expectations that Argentina are going to be back up there winning World Cups again and he's constantly being compared to the great Diego Maradona. It's so hard, is it not, um, to live in that man's shadow and to also be delivering for an Argentina side that for whatever reason they just can't make it work. And I like Sampaoli as a coach. I think he's fantastic. We all saw what he did with Chile um, and I love the style of football that he plays but it's just not working. Now there are accusations suggesting that, you know, it's Messi's team, that he's putting his friends in there and favouring them over, you know, who should be starting. My question is, when it comes to starting, why aren't you playing both Dybala and Messi? I know we've gotten off the beaten track here now. I'm talking about Argentina and I'm getting carried away. But these are the sorts of pressures that, you know, that Messi's really facing, um, that Ronaldo isn't with Portugal. They're not expected to, to come out. You know, that he doesn't have any predecessors before him that have gone and done such fantastic things for the national team. It's him. They've had quality throughout the years. But now, in terms of who they've developed and who their messiah is, it's Ronaldo. I feel sorry for the poor bastard that comes after him that is going to effectively be Portugal's Messi because then they'll have to live up to his achievements. So, I, I, like I said, I'll be interested to see just how far they can go. But I said I love Spain and I love them for a reason. Quality all over the park and the football that they play... 
Can I say this without being disgusting? It's you say like, what do you want. It's, it's your podcast. <laughs> it's your home here. You say what do you want. <laughs> it's like football pornography. That's what it is. I mean, it's just, it's so scintillating to watch. Um, and from start to finish, uh, I think that they're going to they're gonna really stand up in this game. Um, you know, and I think that this is, again, the importance of, okay, where do you want to finish in the group? Um, who do you want to avoid potentially in the next game? So these are the sorts of narratives that we're considering in the third round of matches. But look, Spain, I feel they'll be too strong for Morocco. Up against Iran, though, for Portugal, I think that could be interesting. Iran will pose a lot of issues for them. They'll sit back, they'll be frustrating, and um, Portugal are a team that like to be able to hit teams on the counter. They like you to have the ball. Um, but Iran, they're not going to be too fussed. So they're also going to sit back and wait to see what Portugal do. So it could be a real game of chess. Bring back the Catanacho. Okay, thank you, Lucy. Uh, time to go inside because it's getting cold and also to get some rest because we have a big day tomorrow. Oh, we do. We do. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I get a bit delirious at times, but it's the magic of the World Cup. We ha we're happy to be tired. Do you know what I like as well about what's happening tomorrow? Craig is all, all Team France as well. He's all for France <laughs> no, to win, which is for both. me. <laughs> we're both gunning for I love France it. to I, win. I, it's hilarious. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Christophe. This is it for uh, the World Game Podcast today. Remember, you can uh, subscribe to receive the podcast automatically to your mobile devices or stream this podcast or check out the website on sbs.com.au slash the world game or follow us on Twitter. Next episode, it's of course tomorrow morning. But until then, it's bye for now from Moscow.